Welcome to Reveal, the Revenue Intelligence Podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people intelligence, deal intelligence, and market intelligence. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals and share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. So, Sheena, you're a senior director of marketing at a startup. (laughs) Which means you're above the power line, which means I have to imagine that you get prospected from time to time, maybe more, you can tell me. I'm curious, how often would you say you get like a truly personalized, fantastic outreach asking you to take a meeting or early start a conversation? To be honest, well, first of all, it spiked significantly after we announced our Series D. Um, I even had folks asking mm-hmm. if I invest on the side, which was uh, which was a little bit uh, funny. <laughs> um, so I think... To be honest, most of my the outreach that I receive, whether it's on uh, you know email or over LinkedIn, is pretty bland and generic. Um, it's people saying they hey they just want to connect or sending uh, a blurb about what their company is and and what they do and if we should connect. And I can tell from just the subject line or the first sentence that this is a prospecting email, and I just go next, 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 next. Um, there have been a few that really do stand out. Um, I think you'll hear this a little bit in the conversation with John today, but one is when people just take a little bit of time to look at who I am and what I've done. Like there's enough on social to figure out something. Uh, there have been folks who comment on topics that we've talked about in reveal. And I'm mm. quite wowed by that, that they took the time to at least listen to a snippet of the yeah. podcast or they read the description or whatever it was. Um, to put that in, into the in, into their outreach, like I think that's super interesting. A funny, a really funny one that that stands out that I'm remembering, which happened recently, was somebody actually took the time to make a rap video and included my name as one of the lines wow. in the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> so that was funny because, of course, it stood out. It was video, so it was something different. Yeah. Um, and it was just hilarious. So I had to get back to that individual. I would say, I hope you, I hope you responded and I would have loved if you like beatboxed or like gave him a rap back of like what time works for you. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to hear that. Well, if you're, if you're wondering why I'm asking Sheena about personalization, we hung out with John Barrows today. Um, and really what we wanted to talk about was, was personalization. And so it's not something that is done as you can hear from Sheena. And as you'll hear from John, it's not done as much as you probably think. So basically what we we talked about was two things. One, he went on a two-week vacation. He came back and analyzed his inbox for how many things, you know, how many emails were personalized versus templated. So that'll be right in the beginning. You'll you'll get your hands on that. And then two, I think somewhere in like the 30-minute mark, he just straight up shares exactly how companies from leadership to reps can start to do not personalization at scale, but simply understand what personalization works and what messaging you should be using for your different verticals, personas, et cetera. So I was pumped. Me and Sheena ended this and we're like fired up. We're like ready to, you know, go log into outreach and just start, uh, you know, put some messages out there and cranking. So I think you guys will enjoy it too. 
Exactly. All right, let's dive into it uh, with John Barris. John, you've invited me to your house, aka your <laughs> podcast, Make It Happen <laughs> yep. Mondays. Uh, if you haven't heard of it or haven't taken a listen, folks, go ahead and check it out. But now we can invite you into our house, the Gong House, for reveal. I appreciate so, it, man. Thanks yeah. for hanging out with us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one, man. I'm, I'm glad to be invited here. So for the few Welcome. folks, for the few folks who don't know who you are, don't know what uh, you know, John Barrow's sales training is about. Why don't you give them a quick, uh, quick elevator pitch or however you like to break it down? Yeah, I, we do sales training I, and consulting and working with you know a lot of the fast-growing tech SaaS startups like Salesforce, LinkedIn, you know Dropbox and Google and all those. And and it's all about techniques and trying to evolve the profession and elevate the profession. Right, my career, I've always been in sales. Uh, I never really wanted to get into training because I never, I always thought like trainers for the most part were either failed sales professionals, professional presenters. And Mm -hmm. I can't stand listening to somebody who hasn't done the job. I think in other jobs you can get away with telling people what to do in sales. It's, it's real hard if you're not actively practicing sales to translate any of that over into helping other people do it. And so I consider myself more of a sales rep who happens to train, not a trainer. And so my little team here, we got seven people we're grinding just like everybody else i prospect every day i manage my own pipeline and i also cross sell up sell into existing opportunities while trying to do the trainings and run the company and everything else so there you have it and i agree because i've been uh you know been on a handful of sales teams sales vp or someone in sales tells you know doing a training you perk up you sit up and you're ready to listen uh love all my marketers and product marketers out there but if they hadn't had some sales experience uh not as quick to listen and, and maybe not, not follow tough. through and and it's not a knock on any of those folks they they, no. they have their own expertise but for some reason salespeople, like unless you've unless you've done it it is really tough to get their attention well and also today i mean i think this is going to translate into our conversation right as far as that things are changing so rapidly right now that if you like even six months ago whatever you were doing six months ago or trying six months ago it it's probably not working right now. And so, and you know, the reason I love our partnership in general is because it's no longer about our opinions, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, as sales trainers, we used to be able to get away with saying a lot of stuff that sounded really good. But the problem was, is it sounded really good because we did it so often. Right. So it's like, you you always see like a sales trainer, they do a role play and that you watch them. They're like, Oh my God, that sounds so fantastic. Like that person's a rock star. But in reality, like you go and try and do that and it's and it's just it doesn't work today for for whatever reason or it's because it's not you and so now it it doesn't matter what my opinion is anymore about what works and what doesn't it matters about the data it matters about what does work and analyzing and evaluating and evolving and 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 being um adaptive and agile in today's okay. world right well speaking of grabbing attention you took a two-week break in action, John, and you made this really cool post uh, a couple of days ago, and it was all about, you know, you, you made an Excel doc, and you're like, here's what my inbox looks like, and wh- why don't you break it down for us? Because essentially, it was overall the types of messages you were getting, and then the lack of personalization, so why don't you walk us through that? Yeah, it was, you know, this is actually the first time in my professional career, so I took a two-week vacation, um, first time in my professional career, 25 years that I didn't check emails. Like I I shut off email, I shut off Facebook, I shut off all the news and I legitimately unplugged. I mean, the only thing I stayed true to was Instagram, but that was just me kind of like posting the journey. Right. 
So coming back, I had 2,000, over 2,000 emails in my inbox, which, you know, whatever. I, I usually get about a couple hundred a day anyways. Um, and that's a lot to dig out of. And so I'm sitting there <laughs> like, oh, crap. So how can I turn, to a certain degree, lemons to lemonade here? And um, I was like, let me see if I can learn, like, it was partly to see where I was spending my time and what was in my inbox and how much was actually worth it and what wasn't. And so that was, that was the, that was a selfish exercise on my part to just to kind of get a sense. But what was such, what was so um, disappointing, I guess, and, and what stuck out so much was I got 2,040 emails. Okay. And 78 were possible were sales emails, like as in somebody trying to sell me something, right? Which actually I thought was pretty low in the first place. I, I mean, I, there's probably some marketing emails in there. So I think the marketing was two, there was 232 marketing emails. Mm -hmm. And I consider marketing emails like the, the, the obvious marketing, you know, templated, right. that type of stuff. You have to, you know, HTML, you have to right click on it, that type of thing. So the sales ones though, 78 of them, and not one of them was personalized. Wow. Not one. And, and look, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I'm that important and people should sell to me, but I'm not exactly quiet out there on social. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm also not quiet about what I spend money on either. Like we, like we've spent money on different solutions and, and stuff. And I try out different tools all the time. And if, if we think something is worth it, we will make that investment. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously you hear me for 15 years preaching about personalization. That's what I train. And the fact that not one of these emails, not one was personalized, I mean, blew me away. And then today I just did the reset on, I had 356 in mails in my inbox. Mm. Okay. And my, so I had my inbox outlook and then I had in mails and almost the same thing. I had, I think it broke down into, there was, 71 sales pitch like again a pitch and none of those were all per, those were all templated and three were personalized and only one of those personalized ones was audio or video it was actually a video and guess which ones i got back to i'm gonna guess the video <laughs> the personalized ones the yeah. three personalized ones and the, the video one right the one that and stands it, out and it, and it kind of shocked me because you hear everybody talking about personalization and how it matters and spending the time. But yet that that's not an insignificant amount of data right there. You know what I mean? Like that is not like, okay, I took 10 emails and I said, oh, you right. know, I didn't get any, right. I mean, that's a strong data set at that point, mm -hmm. which I mean, for me, job security, fantastic. Right. That means this, <laughs> but it also means to me that like, every, you know, personalization and scale, I just wish people would shut up about personalization and scale. I, I think it's an oxymoron. I think it's a false narrative. You cannot be personalized at scale. You can be efficient with personalization, but personalization means I'm, this is the only email that I could send to you, Devin. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I can't then take that email, that exact same email and send it to Sheena. You know, I mean, I had this one and, and I think on the, on the, uh, I did a, um, uh, one hour Q and a yesterday with a client and as like right before same thing, I got this email and it fake personalization. Hey John, I've been doing some heavy research on your account and I noticed it and, and, and I really think that you would be blah, blah, blah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I fired back cause it was like this, you know, database piece of whatever. Right. And I'm like, Oh really? 
deep, you know, you've been doing a lot of research. Oh, do tell what my, per, you know, what your research has shown about why you think this email is valid to me in any way, shape or form. And then it was pretty evident the kid went way back and did like found something kind of panicked and said, oh, yeah, no, no, no. I, I read this blog that you wrote like three years ago about blah, 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 and which is why I wanted to. I go, uh-huh, sure, kid. Yeah. Look, do me a favor. You should have, if that was the case, you should have said that in the first place. Right. And it's just inherently frustrating for me right now. I think it's when we can get into this. I think it's a laziness factor. I think it's a leadership issue. Um, and I just think it's a, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit disappointing. It's a lot disappointing in a lot of ways. Cause I don't think it's really that hard to break out, break through these days. I really don't. So can I, you go a little bit deeper into like this breakdown? Like personalization is not new. As you said, we've been talking about this for years and years. So where is that breakdown happening from the top all the way down? And what can we do as sales folks to overcome that? It's, it's, it's really funny you bring that up because that, that same Q&A that I did for that client, one of the things I said was that leaders, like, it, look, in an ideal world, the leaders and the, and, the, and the sales reps are aligned and we're working together to free, you know, figure things out. But we're not in an ideal world in, in so many ways. And I, I, you know, I'm going to talk macro here and then get down to the micro. But I think macro-wise, like, look, I'm a Gen Xer, right? I'm 44 years old. When we grew up in sales specifically, it was a numbers game. You did make 100 dials. You had your script. And so that's what we learned as, as sales reps, okay, for the most part, in general. Sure. Evolved to where we are today. Everybody knows personalization matters. Everybody's cra craving for it and all that other stuff and, you know, account-based marketing and all these different things. But personalization and, and quality is really hard to coach to. It's really hard to coach to. You know what's really easy for me to coach to? Did you make your 50 dials today? Right. You know what's really easy for me to run a number, run metrics on is click a button to see how many times you clicked on the call button or sent the email button because that's a that's easy. I can and, and I can yell at you for that. You know what I mean? I could be like, hey, you didn't make your fifty dials. Make your fifty dials. Right. Because managers are being pulled in so many different directions, and it's, so I think it's a lazy thing. So even though inherently I think we know that personalization matters, that we don't have time to, or we're lazy, or whatever it is. And there's some data on. Um, like HubSpot put out this blog recently where it showed how when COVID hit, the volume of emails went through the roof and the yeah, response rates yeah. went like through the floor. And so people are just now panicking because it's so much harder to get in touch with people these days that the volume has ramped up exponentially as far as emails specifically, right? And so I think there's, there's a, a shift right now of uh, there's an, an acknowledgement, but not the 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 actions to support that acknowledgement if you know what i mean yeah mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. so i think we're we're being asked and, and the panic of oh my god our numbers are down so therefore we have to increase the activity level here which is i think the exact opposite of where we need to go so i think it's a it's a downward push from management which is unfortunate um but also it's it's reps just going through the motions i mean you heard me talk about this all the time about death of the average sales rep COVID is highlighting that in so many ways 
the the average sales rep, the ones who have been using these cadence tools. And look, I love them. I, I'm a huge, you know me, I'm a huge fan of Sales Loft. I'm a huge fan of these tools if used the right way. But every, most reps are just using them as spam engines. They're using them as blast out a million emails. Let me see what I can hit my numbers on. And so there's a laziness factor. There's a lack of uh, education on how to do it the right way. And there's a downward push on increasing volume because there's a panic of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. And this one, this one woman, she reached out to me because I went on kind of a rant on this, this Q&A. I love a good like, JP hey. rant, by the way. That's like <laughs> half the reason I follow you on LinkedIn is like, I want the long posts. When it's short, I scroll, admittedly. But when I get those long JB posts, I'm like, oh, I'm like grabbing popcorn. And I'm like, I got five minutes to just get in here. And then I spend another five minutes in the comments, which is almost as good as the initial post. So I'm, I'm, I'm tuned in. But so, but the, my rant was, you know, cause it was like, well, what about, it, it was a, it was a question. It was, it was, this is actually for a company, by the way. So the company, one company. So an anonymous question came in saying, Hey, John, I hear you about personalization. I hear you about taking the time and how quality matters and all this other stuff. But what do you do when you're, when your manager is pushing you to do that? And I said, look, I, you know, again, ideal world, whatever, and I, and I kind of gave some advice of like side hustle, right? Create a side hustle, do what your manager's asking you to do. Like you're not, I think the problem that most reps have is they complain that things aren't working because they don't think it's the right thing to do, but they never come to their managers with data about why, you know, what's working and what's not, or, or an option for them to try. Right. So what I said, look, if you're if if you voiced your opinion to your manager that you don't think this is the right approach or whatever it is, but you haven't come with data, I almost guarantee they're pushing back on you and say, shut up, go do your job. Right. I know I would. And so so here, here's an idea. Why don't you do what you're supposed to do? Make your 50 dials or whatever it is and be absolutely maniacal of how you track that. Right. Literally track every single call, track every persona, figure out the conversion ratios. And then in the evening, Take some, you know, your side hustle instead of it being your second job or something like that. Have your second job be proving an alternative approach that you think is better, right? So maybe take two hours or an hour after work and write 10 personalized emails to some tier one accounts. And at the end of the week, come to your boss with some data and says, hey, boss, I made 50 dials a day using your approach, and I've gotten zero meetings out of that. I spent the time on my own on the weekend and on the, on, on the you know, whatever, to, to write thoughtful, personalized, whatever outreach, do a couple of videos here or there, and I actually got five meetings out of that. You know, I, I know I only did 50 total activities with that, but I got five meetings out of that. Which one do you want me to do? And if you have a boss that looks at that type of data and still tells you to make those 50 dials, go find another job. Let's pause for a second and dive into the Gong Labs research John mentions here. You know revenue intelligence is all about using data to drive business outcomes. So we set out to understand which email CTA, or call to action, is most effective when cold emailing to book meetings. So first, we had to separate the CTAs into three groups. The first is the specific CTA. It asks for a meeting using a specific day and time. And an example of that is, are you available to meet on Tuesday at four o'clock? The second option is the open-ended CTA. It asks for a meeting, but it's open-ended. Something like, do you have time next week to meet? Now the third option was the interest CTA. It asks for interest, not a meeting. Example, are you interested in learning more about X? Now, when it came to cold outbound emails, which do you think was most effective? After analyzing over 300,000 emails, 
Our data showed that the interest CTA, asking for interest was 2x more effective than asking for time. That's a huge increase. And it's worth mentioning that we measured success not by response rates, but if a meeting was booked within 10 days of that email. Because we all know we get emails that say unsubscribe or not interested, and we didn't want to measure that. What's even cooler is after I published this article, numerous sales pros from CROs to SDRs reached out and shared that they had seen immediate success with this approach. Chalk up another win for leading with data. If you want access to the full report and 43 highly effective email CTAs, you can download them for free in the show notes. And this is the argument that I kind of argument that I got in with this with this person to say, well, they were like, well, I shouldn't have to have to work all off hours to prove my boss wrong. I'm like, shut up. Like, just do, you know, like this whole idea of people, I, I, we've also lost this, this like, oh, how dare you ask me to do extra when I used to do the on-site training before COVID hit, like, I'm not joking. I would do 8.30 to 4.30, right? That's the training. And then from 4.30 to 5, I would usually check my emails or answer some questions that a few reps had or whatever it is. And then 5 to 5.30, maybe check my emails. And I'd leave at 5.30, right, to go to the airport or whatever. Almost every single office that I left at 5.30, ghost town. I mean, ghost town. Reps gone, nobody sitting there where, and look, you don't have to work out. If you get all your shit done in the day, then good for you, right? I don't know a single successful person that hasn't put in twice the hours that the average rep does. And I'm not seeing that. I, I'm sorry. I'm just not. On the, on the majority, I almost feel like it's taboo these days to ask people to go above and beyond what their job description says. And I, and that to me is just asinine. Yeah. I, I can relate to that. Cause I think there's two things though. One is the time outside of work and one is the effectiveness, mm-hmm. right? Good. Which is what, kind of what you're saying, which is like, look, if you can do, you know, if you can hit your number early and you want to work three weeks this month and you know, who am I to say? Yeah. No, right. Met- right. Metrics aside, daily metrics aside. Sure. But I also think there's like, and I, I believe in this thoroughly, you will not be the best in your class, whether it's your company and your space, if you're only doing the nine to five, because oh it's kind God. of the bare minimum. And I know this sounds kind of like, you know, that, that over hustle mentality. I just done it myself multiple times when I was new into sales. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I left at five because I took two hours off and I was in my kitchen, you know, dining room, just studying and trying to figure this stuff out. And what mm-hmm. it does is it shortens your learning curve and then it becomes right. easier. When I moved into marketing, I did the same thing three nights a week, co- coffee at 8 PM. And I just, just hustled, just got it done. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you have to do those things, but you have to do them if you want to succeed and go, you know, if you want to get those above and beyond results, you're going to have to work more hours. It just simply takes more time. Well, it's like, look, and, and, you know, like I'm a Gary Vee fan in some ways. Um, he, you know, one of the things, it's about like money, for instance, right? People, happiness is the, is the key, right? And he makes the analogy, like, if you make $40,000 a year and you're happy, you're genuinely happy, right? You have a good family life, you go home to your kids and, and 40 grand a year doesn't sound like a lot of money to a lot of people, right? But 40 grand a year, if you're genuinely happy, then you are ultimately successful, right? That is the ultimate dictate, right? Versus being a multimillionaire and being a miserable, right? Like, right. The, like I'd rather be 40,000 and genuinely happy than a multimillionaire and a jerk. It's the same thing with working your ass off. Like, right. fine, if you want to do the nine to five and you don't mind just chugging away and not getting promoted, not, you know, ever getting that extra bump in salary, never getting that extra opportunity. If you're genuinely happy doing that, then by all means, God bless you. 
But if you have a drive to get to that next step in your career, if you have a drive to get to some goal of yours and you're going to complain about somebody asking you or saying, I shouldn't have to work that hard, then you know what? Stop complaining. I think uh, this also touches on like enjoying the journey yeah. gong. We say like, enjoy yeah. the ride. Like it's yeah. about the process. Like you have to enjoy the micro actions, the steps that you're learning along the way, not just the outcome that I got a promotion. I got a raise. Mm -hmm. I closed this deal. Like every single day you're taking away something from your work. That's going to make you better, your team better, your company better. And you have to appreciate that. You may not love all of it, but mm -hmm. at the, you know, the, the, at the, at the end, those steps add together to, to make that impact. Yeah, and, and it, by the way, it makes this job so much more tolerable when you look at it that way. So sure. sales is brutal, okay? Sales is brutal, mm -hmm. and especially now that we're working from home, okay? And I'm going to bring the SDRs in the, into the fold here. Like there are, I think the SDR job is the hardest job in sales, period. You get 99 no's, you get one yes, and then you get yelled at by your AE because it wasn't qualified well enough, and then your boss yells at you for something and whatever it is. What used to make that job tolerable was that we were sitting in a bullpen with 10 other SDRs and we could commiserate with each other. Be like, wow, did you hear that client just hung up on me? That was a train wreck. You know, that type of stuff. So it actually made it more tolerable, right? But now that we're sitting from home, we got nobody to collaborate with. We got mm -hmm. nobody to, to, to commiserate with. And so how do you gain sanity when you're not hitting your numbers? You know what I mean? Especially in the SDR space. I mean, numbers are down across the board. Okay. Right. So how do you gain sanity? Well, turning into a scientist, turning into a scientist and, and, and trying to get better every day and testing things out to say, like I said earlier, side hustle, like I'm going to do those 50 dials, but I'm going to do them a very purposeful way with a very specific message to a certain persona. And then I'm going to test that against sending 10 very highly tailored emails to the same persona to see what happens there and figure out what I learned. Mm -hmm. And if you can learn something every day at the end of the day, and I tell this reps all the time, say you make 50 dials in a day, right? And you get no meetings. That's a miserable day. Okay. I, I agree with you. But if you make 50 dials and you split that up and you make 25 dials with this approach and 25 dials with this approach and you still get no meetings, to me, that's actually not a bad day because you just figured out two approaches that don't work. Tomorrow, you figure out a new one, right? So the more you do that, if you can go home at the end of the day or end your day and say, I learned something today, even if you didn't hit your numbers, it's something to stay motivated with. Right. It's something yeah. to keep you going. And if you don't, you're just going to be judged on the, to your point, you know, the outcome and if that outcome isn't there, it tends to pile up pretty fast as far as the negativity is concerned. So, so I used to do this. I used to do the uh, 50 dials. I did them as quickly as possible. I admittedly half-assed it a lot of times because I knew <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to get, you know, I knew I wasn't going to get a connect. And you kind of know right. on like the eighth ring or like, you, you, right. you know, those calls, you've called those number 15 times, you know, you're not going to, but you're like, I know I need. I know that a director is going to look at this dashboard. They're going to see my name. They're going to see this number and they're going to assume my week based on that number. Devin's not trying. Mm -hmm. So yep. I actually did exactly what you said. I would hit those numbers in the morning by lunch. Yep. And this is aside from meetings and stuff as an AE, right? So I did my best to do it by lunch, maybe one o'clock. And then I did send no less than five, but I tried to shoot for 10 personalized emails every day. Mm -hmm. And I would just do that consistently. And as you said, I would get, let's say I sent 10 highly customized you know those emails you hit send and you're like if they don't respond they're idiots yeah, yeah, like exactly. this is so good i could yeah. i could publish this thing and you know i'd do 10 i'd probably get two to four responses i'll say three responses one was a no and two were yeses so there's two meetings 
One of those are qualified opportunity. And then you go back to your, your volume approach and you let's go for across the week. You probably get two meetings, maybe like maybe two meetings. And then one of those are qualified. So then at the end of the week, I'd look and I'd be like, cool. I put in not only less time actually on these more tailored approaches, but I had more Mm -hmm. fun doing it. It's more fun fun. to research John, figure out what Mm -hmm. he likes, what he hates, write a message. I just fight, you know, I ran into him at a bar and I wanted to pitch him gong than it is to do the cold calling routine. So that's my background on how can leaders today uh, like take this approach, right? Because I understand the metrics needs. I understand that's a little bit of an old school mentality, but things are changing. So like, how can, how can leaders make this work? So here's, here's what I recommend to all my clients, uh, with the, the use, use your, uh, look, the data that Gong puts out is fantastic, right? The, 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 to use as a baseline. Okay. But that doesn't mean that the data is rel- is, is specific to my business, to my audience to right? You know what I mean? 100%. So it's like, you guys do millions and millions of calls, but are they VPs of sales in the SaaS industry that you're going after? Right. Is it CTOs in healthcare? So with your team, this is what I recommend, like sit down at the beginning. So say you got a team of 10 reps. Okay. Sit down at the beginning of the month as a team, because by the way, this is going to cross off a bunch of different things, business acumen, teamwork, collaboration, results, and messaging. So those five things, this one thing will do. You sit down at the beginning of the month, do a little lunch and learn. Okay. Two hours and and say there's 10 reps, right? Break that up into uh, four groups or whatever. Let's make the math easy. Say it's 20 reps. Okay. Four groups of five. This five assign that persona, this five percent assign a different persona, this five assign a different persona, and then this five give a, a curated of high quality. So there's going to be one group of quality and the other groups are going to be quantity based on personas. So now say my group, right? Say us three are in a group. Uh, we have VPs of sales in the SaaS industry. That's our persona. So now everybody does a little bit of research, open up their laptop, Google VPs of sales, SaaS industry, priorities, challenges, 2020, COVID-19, something like that. So we're learning because what, what their priorities were six months ago are not their priorities now. So read a few articles, a business acumen, B, you can probably find some stuff to share on social with those things. Right. And you're learning about what that persona today cares about. All right. Now you extract four, five, six of the main priorities and challenges that those people are faced with today. So say we find five of them. Now you come up with a message for that priority, Devin, you come up with a message for that priority, Sheena, and I'll come up with a message for that priority. So we, we create this five to eight touch cadence. Okay. Now we figure out what content are we going to share? Okay. And which ones are going to be calls versus emails versus social. So we kind of build a little cadence as a group to say, all right, based on this persona, um, we think that it's, we're going to do email, email, call, social, email, share, call, email, social, whatever. Now, everybody in that little group runs a list of 20 to 30 accounts that fit that profile. And then you run that cadence. You just pl- press play and everybody goes. So now the first email goes out that day, two or three days later, another one goes out three or four days later. There's a call that becomes a call blitz into one very specific persona with one very specific message. And you can actually coach towards that, right? So now I'm like right before the call blitz, we're doing a little role play to say, hey, all right, cool. We got this, deal with objections, those type of things. And we run that cadence for that persona once a month. So that's, let's call it a hundred data points, right? Cause each one of us is running 20 of them through. Sure. So that one, and now this group is running a different cadence for a different persona, this one. And then the high quality one curated like 10 accounts, each rep that came up with a very thoughtful based on research. Let's map this thing out. 
And what you do is you alleviate the individual component of meeting metrics and you turn it into a group metric so that it takes the stress off the individual rep because then it isn't the rep that fails, it's the approach that fails. And to me, learning and insights right now is so much like, yes, obviously revenue, meetings that generate revenue is is the number one priority for everybody. But the secondary priority should be insights and, and, and so that we can make adjustments because if you are not into agile selling right now, you are going to fail, period. You're going to fail. And when I say agile, I mean agile. I mean looking at the data on a monthly basis about what's changing, what's working, what's not working. And if you do that, 20 reps, break them up into five groups, that's 500 data points. And then you can look at the end of the week and look and, or end of the month and say, what messaging worked, what messaging didn't work, what were our conversion ratios, where were our highest? And then you start building this database of messaging that you know works. So now when individual reps sit down to create their own cadences, now it's, I'm not just making it up. I'm going in and saying, okay, I'm going to go after this persona. I'm going to do a little bit of homework and find these triggers. All right, where's my trigger-based messaging that I know works? All right, where's my persona-based messaging that I know works? Now let me create my story to this client and then let me put it in. And that right there, like I said, business acumen, uh, like results, conversion ratios, insights, you name it, that addresses it. And it's not that hard. It's the first business Monday of every month. You do at once and let it go. I love that so much. I think it also touches on, um, you know, that lack of camaraderie and collaboration we were just talking about because you create these little tiger teams and it's fun. It actually sounds yeah. to me, hearing it, you know, from said by you, I'm like, it looks like it would be, it seems like it would be really fun to like work together, find out what's working, what's not. You have somebody to go back and talk to, you know, collaborate on Slack or yep. email, whatever it is in this environment, have weekly syncs on what's working and what's not. And then you have the data behind it to back up uh, what worked and what didn't. So I think that is such a great um, tip. And Sheena, you can do actually the, the, the fun part, I, I cause I, I'm watching it happen with the clients that we work with and yeah. what it, you can also do is take that, take one persona, say you only have 10 reps on your team. Everybody goes after the same, but you break it up into two groups, five and five, and you have a competition. Yeah. So you mm-hmm. say, okay, you five, I want you to come up with a six to 10 touch cadence on the same exact persona as that, but they're going to be different cadences. They're going to be different messages, right? Cause each one of you is going to come up with a collectively differently and then see who wins. Mm-hmm. Right. And then mm-hmm. one team has to buy the other team drinks or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, but that creates that motivation. And and again, the problem right now is is that if you don't, if you leave individual reps, if it is not teamwork oriented right now to figure out what's happening, then you put these all these reps on an island. A, the anxiety level is going to go through the roof. And me as a rep, I feel personally like a failure because I'm not hitting my numbers. But Mm -hmm. if we do it as a team and we don't hit that metric that we were hoping for, again, it's not me, it's the approach. So I feel better about this. I feel better about helping my other colleagues figure this out. As opposed to if it's not a team environment, then I'm not sharing anything that works with you guys. Because it's all, you know, it's every man, woman for themselves because I might get fired if I don't hit my numbers here. Right. And that is a toxic environment for any leader to get to, to create. And so you have to create this environment right now if you care about your employees. 
totally. I agree with uh, what you said, Sheena, and the, the motivation, John, because I was like, as soon as you're, as you're describing this, I'm like, you know what? I'd, I'd want to be first. I'd want to have the best yeah. messaging. I'd want people to be like, yeah. whatever Devin's doing is what's working. And yeah. you wouldn't have it on your own, I don't think. I mean, some people will, right? Some people have, mm. like you said, that that hustle we talked yeah. about. But yeah. for the most part, I'm like, me, John, and Sheena, like, we're winning. We're, we're winning, guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, just so you know. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, let's put in those couple hours after work and yeah. figure this out together. I love yeah. it. John, I think we should end there, to be honest with you. I feel like that was the, the <laughs> highlight. I don't think we're going to go any higher than that. Is there anything else that you want to share or maybe anything that you're working on that you want to share with folks? Um, look, I, I think, you know, again, I said it as far as the LinkedIn analytics. Um, I was shocked that I didn't get more videos. I was shocked that I didn't get more uh, voice uh, messages because that's what's having the highest impact for us. I will say small thing on this one. Um, I, I wouldn't do video as your first. This is why I think it's so important to tell a story to people, right? You, you guys got, came out with some great data that I use all the time, which is about the calls to action mm-hmm. and how the, in prospecting, it's not, it's not the hard call to action that gets the highest response rate. Like, are you free at two o'clock tomorrow? It's more of the interest CTA, which is, right. Hey, is that something of interest to you is, are you already using something like this? And, mm-hmm. and so I've, I've used that to kind of shift the mindset into almost having a conversation, like a one-sided conversation with the client that is, that is just trying to get them to engage, forget about schedule a meeting, getting them to engage and show value. Right. So right. that's why I think it's so important to create that story all up front. So when I sit down and I do do my research on you, Devin, I'm not looking for one thing. I'm looking for five, four, five, six different things. And then I'm going to figure out what do I want to do? I'm going to send an email about this. I'm going to share a piece of content here. And then maybe the third or fourth, then I'm going to do video. I think it, it, it just the people I've talked to executives and I don't have a ton of data on this, but people are kind of a little weirded out when people just send that first video. Hey, John, what's up? And I have no idea who you are or any of that stuff. Yeah. But if you butter them up a little bit, you comment on something on social, you send an email, you make a quick phone call to them, and then you do a really nice, casual, personalized email. Hey, Devin, man, I've been, I've been actually doing a bit of research on you. I sent you a few emails earlier on and, and actually I saw your post there. The reason I wanted to actually send you this video here, Devin, is because, you know, I noticed, you know, congrats on that 200 million, man. But one of the things from a content standpoint, I understand is now the eyeballs matter. So you and I should have, you know what I mean? So I'd love to just have this, like that type of thing. That's where we're getting the highest response rates, right? The other thing too, is it was conversational. And I know you're just like riffing off the top of your head, but it's like that type of language of just two people talking is so much better than when people start writing emails, they start using the jargon that's on Mm -hmm. their like LinkedIn page on their website, right? Things like, like how often do you say the word leverage versus use? Right. Like those little things. And people probably think it's crazy. Like, dude, what, how big of a deal you hear it when someone's pitching you, you're like, Oh, this is someone, someone learned this in training and now I'm Mm -hmm. hearing it versus when a human being just understands context, understands what I'm, uh, you know, what I'm up against and then can just convey value in that way. That'll work. And like you said, especially over, over video. You know, it's funny, like I've listened to interviews with executives and I've obviously interviewed plenty of them myself inevitably when when the question comes of hey what's the best way to to con- communicate with you or connect with you as an executive like what do you want to hear from a sales rep and literally to a t every single one of them says just talk to me like a normal human being you know what I mean? Like, don't treat me like, don't kiss my ass. Don't treat me like I'm this whatever. And don't try to impress me with your knowledge. Just talk to me like we're having a beer here. And that will get you light years ahead of anybody who's going to come in there and pretend like they know what they're talking about. 
John, I have to ask you, what is your favorite personalized type of outreach that you've received? Is there any specific instance that stands out to you? Yeah, what gets John Barrows? What gets John Barrows to respond and take a meeting? That that's a great question, uh, Sheena. <laughs> you know what? Um, the gratitude does. Uh, the the posts uh, that I got, and you'll see it on the on the LinkedIn post. Is uh, there's a there's a thank yous right? So in my LinkedIn's, I you know get reps to say, hey, thanks, man, I love your content, that type of stuff. And there were sixteen of them. I responded mm. to every single one of those because out of all the shit that I do, of all the late nights that used to travel all around the world, be away from my family all the time, what makes it worth it? is when somebody shows gratitude unsolicited just reaches out and say, Hey man, I just want to say thank you. Like I took your training three years ago. It changed the way I view things. I'm now an executive and I really attribute it to a lot of the stuff that I learned. Like that type of thing means a lot, especially in today's world because we are so um, segmented now and, and everybody like I with this trip across the country, it was an incredible trip, but it also highlighted the common decency these days is just is is lacking people are are everybody's kind of this it's my world environment mm -hmm. and you'd be amazed at how far it goes when you say thank you to somebody um and so those are the ones i responded to every single one of those but if you want to prospect to me it's really not that hard you know i i, I blog quite a bit i podcast quite a bit all you got to do is listen to me and say hey john i saw your you know i heard your recent podcast with xyz where you talked about personalization and as a matter of fact we came out with this really cool tool that scrubs and shows and how's to do this and i'd like to show it to you or whatever it is all right cool you know what i mean like appreciate that you know mm -hmm. The ones that I responded to were, John, I've been following you for a while now, and I'm a huge fan of Make It Happen Mondays. Matter of fact, your post, your, your podcast, when Devin, you talked to him about this, was really interesting. And it got me thinking because over here, we're working on some really cool ideas and da da da, da And I thought it'd be worth having a conversation with you about it. Would you be open to that? Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, as long as it's relevant, yeah, right? And that's the, that's the, I think that's the thing I'll leave everybody with here is don't, don't just think personalization is the answer. It's personalization and relevance. Right. You can, I mean, because the, the fake, per, this is why I'm not afraid of artificial intelligence anymore. You know, artificial intelligence, I used to freak out about it three or four years ago when I saw these things writing emails that I, that better than I could write. But the problem with artificial intelligence, it can't make the connection. What it does is it goes out there and grabs, hey, John, I see you went to the University of Maryland, go Terps. And then it hard cuts into some piece of crap value proposition that has nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And if you personalize without it being relevant, it almost as bad as sending a generic template. Yeah. Yeah. Because now I'm like, you're just doing that to do it and you're going through the motions. But right. if you make it personalized, if you had, if you allow, if you said, John, you had to choose between personalization and relevance, I would do relevance all day long. I, absolutely relevance all day long, mm -hmm. right? Because I can reach out to you or like say a VP of sales and say, hey, you know, Devin, for instance, um, you know, how are you currently, uh, how are your reps staying motivated and engaged now that they're sitting at home? The reason I ask is because our training helps them stay motivated and engaged, blah, 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 blah. Like that, you can send yeah. that out to 50 people, by the way, right. if you want. And, but it's relevant to me because I'm a VP of sales. I have sales reps working from home right now. Motivation and engagement's a huge thing. So I'd take that all day long. So you don't have to personalize if you don't want to. That, that's kind of better than the typical template crap. But if you can connect the two, 
if you can make the connection to say, hey, Devin, uh, I've been following you for a while now. I actually noticed your recent post uh, on LinkedIn where you took a screenshot of all your sales reps on a Friday afternoon where you're drinking beer. It looks like you're doing some cool stuff to keep them motivated, man. One of the things we're working on right now is VPs of sales who are doing things to try to keep their reps engaged. They're actually leveraging our training to do that. And I thought it'd be worth a conversation. Now, all of a sudden, you hit the holy grail, right? And one more piece is it's not about the one email, right? You, you said earlier, Devin, like you send that one kick-ass email and you're like, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, a pro there's actually a little bit of a problem with that. When you spend that much time writing one email and writing the perfect thing, you get so proud of it that after you hit send, you basically sit there and wait. Yeah, just a matter of time. <laughs> And then, and then you, and then if you don't get a response in two or three days, you reply all to it, and you're like, "Did you get that email? Right, bubbling this one you're up to the top." Up. Yeah, the, right? the only like, time you know. we use bubbling is in this in this exact scenario. You right. will never use the word bubbling <laughs> in, as a verb anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I love it, man. Thank you for sharing the formula. And uh, speaking of gratitude, thank you for your time and your expertise to hanging out with us, man. Yeah, like John, we have we have to ask uh, your one final final. Question. Oh, that's right. We almost Which missed. Exactly. We can't forget this one. So how would you describe sales in one word? Rewarding. You had put a little context. If done right, I think sales is the greatest profession in the world because it's not about selling. It's about helping people solve problems or achieve goals. And so, and when you can genuinely, when you are representing a product or a solution that truly makes a difference, and, and you can find and make that difference for those clients. Uh, it is one of the more rewarding things because it does it, it drives the economy. It helps people achieve things that they've never achieved before. It helps companies achieve things that they've never achieved before and do some incredible things. So when sales is in its true essence form and its true purest form, it's about helping people solve problems or achieve goals. And when you can do that, it is extremely rewarding. There you have well, it, folks. I love that passion, that passion in your voice. I can hear that. I love it. Yeah. Well, hey, if you if you like John, if you enjoyed today's uh, session, he's got his own podcast called Make It Happen Mondays. I've been on it. I've checked it out. He's got the shirt on, if you can see it. Uh, <laughs> but thanks again, John. We really appreciate it, man. I'm sure we'll be talking soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Devin Singh. Thanks, Gina, for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. John gave a ton of actionable advice on today's episode. So today's micro action is to think about how your team can start to put his advice into play. Here are some things to think through. How is your sales team approaching personalization when it comes to outbound prospecting? Do they have a clear understanding of which triggers are best to use for your ICP? If not, who on your team has cracked the code and has that intel and can share with others to level up results across the board? Speaking of ICPs, is your team equipped with persona-specific messaging? If yes, how are you keeping track of your wins? Sharpening your messaging is dependent on in-the-field visibility. Once you can see and hear what's working, now you're ready to replicate across the team. That's tribal knowledge at scale. And lastly, how are your activity metrics and results metrics aligned? As John pointed out, sometimes it's less of a volume game and more of a human-to-human -human connection when it comes to effective sales messaging. Consider revisiting how you're measuring success versus effort and make sure that you're promoting the right behavior for your reps. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. 
And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.